DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Getting ready for a week of college football. An unusual week. Utah State and Nevada Thursday night. BYU and Boise State Friday night. And then Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock as the rain and possibly the snow starts to fall. It'll be the Utes and Arizona. We're going to talk with Greg Hansen, sports columnist for the Arizona Daily Star at 9.05. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, is going to join us here momentarily. You listen to uh, David Nixon talk and you think, this is going to be a close game, isn't it? Yeah, and when he's finding no obvious weakness that either team can exploit, then you'd think that, uh, yeah, it's going to come down to the end, a couple of big plays. Turnovers. Uh, turnovers. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> that can make a difference in a football game. You know, who has more is at a distinct disadvantage when there is like that. But at the same time, uh, I can recall Bronco Mendenhall saying after a while he learned you anticipate a game and you expect something to happen and then the game gets going and something entirely different happens. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Good morning, Riley. What's happening, fellas? Well, we just talked some football with David Nixon, and he didn't see obvious glaring matchup problems for either team, which means there's no obvious advantages for either team, which makes us think close game, maybe turnovers, a couple of big plays, timely or untimely penalties, extending or killing drives, but a close game. Is that how you think this is going to play out? Uh, I definitely think that it's going to be a close game. I think there's a couple of matchups that I'm I'm really watching closely, and I I think that BYU's receivers so far have been amazing. So let me start by saying that I'm not sure that they've been tested in a man-to-man scenario like they're going to get tested with Boise State. And if Boise State, um, with their cornerbacks and their safeties who are, who, who are very good and are playing at a high level. It will be interesting to see what BYU can do with some of the rushes and some of the blitzes and some of the different things that um, Boise State will bring to the table. However, the way that I think that they can combat that is I'm starting to see a little bit of a pattern that teams can run the ball on Boise State. And so if they're able to run the ball effectively, which I kind of think they will, then that opens the game up a little bit as far as play-action passing goes. And I haven't looked up the stats in the last week or so, but but uh, Zach Wilson is com- completing a, t- a very high number of passes in the play-action game, and that could bode well for, you t- for, for BYU. Um, but... I'm I'm interested to watch this matchup between the cornerbacks and the wide receivers from BYU. And can these BYU receivers continue to make the catches that they've been making in tight man-to-man coverage where they're physically being manhandled a little bit? Will they be able to figure it out quick enough and soon enough to win in those one-on-one matchups? I wonder in that case if that we see more of the BYU tight ends then. Well, yeah, I think I, I think that's what you want to happen. Um, I I think that if I'm if I'm doing a lot of uh, if I'm looking at a lot of man to man coverage, what you end up looking for is your best matchups, and the tight ends for BYU have been fantastic. But I also think the strong safety and some of these cover guys that are in the dime packages have been doing a really really good job for Boise State. I mean, 
look, I don't think Utah State's receivers are as good as BYU's, but they couldn't even get off the ball. They weren't open at all in that game. Then when I watched, um, when I, you know, then when I, and so I'm just looking at this from an interesting scenario, but no question the tight ends are going to be the matchup problem that you're looking for. But that means 10, 11 play drives where you're, you're hitting your tight end on a, on a, you know, on a third and four, a third and five, keeping the chains moving. And that's just a lot more difficult to do on a continual basis. I don't see this being as high scoring as what BYU has been putting on the board. And I think that, you know, if, if you flip the ball over on the other side, both quarterbacks for Boise State are playing at a high level. They've got the one receiver that's playing at a super high level, and then they create matchup problems on that side. So if BYU can't slow them down, I don't see this being super high scoring, although I think both teams are going to score points. I see this in the, in the area of like a 28-24 game, a 28-21 game type of thing. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us. Uh, to the uh, average fan's eye, I think it doesn't really matter which US, oh, which USC, <laughs> which Boise State uh, quarterback starts, whether it's Bachmeyer as their starter or USC transfer Jack Sears, who's uh, the backup. It seems like they get really good production. Now, Sears, it was Air Force. They've had a lot of guys opt out, so maybe that's not a fair test. But, man, he looked good. Do you think it matters a lot who plays? And if so, what is the difference? Well, I personally, I, I personally, out of the two quarterbacks, I like Bachmeyer better. Uh, I know Jack Sears comes with, you know, he's highly touted. I think he was Elite 11 coming out of high school. He's a USC transfer. But when, when, I, watch, when I watch the efficiency in which Bachmeyer played, I just liked what he brought to the table. Now, the, the thing that Jack Sears brings to the table, maybe a little bit more than Bachmeyer's, is his ability to scramble and maybe get some yards with his feet. But I think Bachmeyer does a little bit better job of scrambling and keeping his eyes downfield and still looking for a play where Sears is looking to scramble and get yards right away. Both quarterbacks cause problems. Uh, my personal opinion is I, I, I like the way Bachmeyer has played better, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't have one or the other start and play really, really well, and maybe a combination of both and, and use both of them to attack the BYU defense. So here we are, man, the first week of November, and it's the first time this year that all three of our D1 teams are playing. Man, how cool is that <laughs> to be able to say that finally? So let's take a look at Utah with what they've got with the University of Arizona, not expected to be good uh, by any stretch. Utah expected to win, and I think all eyes are on the quarterback. Uh, with you, what you know of Ludwig, and I know you know him pretty well, uh, what do you see them doing, at least at the start, offensively, to get the quarterback going? Well, I think, I think one of the misnomers with, with offensive coordinators is they don't have the ability to play to the strengths of their team within the context of their offense. I've seen, I've seen Andy Ludwig, Ludwig run offense at the University of Wisconsin where they run the ball 90% of the time in some games. I've seen him where he's really, really opened it up and really thrown the ball around. I've seen it where he runs the quarterback. I've seen it where he doesn't run the quarterback. I've seen play action. I've seen not a lot of play action. 
he has the ability and the know-how to play to the strengths of of Cam Rising, and I, you know, I think he's he's been around so long that I know that he's made the right decision on the quarterback position, and he sees something that he can implement into his offense that's going to cause problems for defenses. I think the the interesting part, and and, and look, I think the schedule for Utah. Is, is perfect for them kind of easing into their offense. I think they're always going to play good defense. They're always going to play solid special teams. Offense sometimes takes a minute to get it going. But I think what, what we'll see is we'll see him with, you know, the run-pass option. We'll see him throwing the ball on the run a little bit with Cam in the pocket, trying to make sure that he can confirm what it is that he saw in practice is also true in the game. Because you have to remember – Quarterbacks don't get hit in practice, and they're not able to scramble in practice, if you want to know the truth. That's why sometimes it's a disadvantage for a guy that can scramble to actually win the job, is because you can't really see did he scramble and how far did he scramble and, and what did he really do with his feet until you get to a game-time situation. And so I think he's going to be testing that a little bit with Cam Rising. We know that he can run the ball and throw the ball. What will be interesting to me, is if he can coach Cam rising up the way that he did with Tyler Huntley to teach him to play his game, not a force game. Like, he doesn't have to show everybody that he can pass. He doesn't have to show everybody that he can run. That he just takes what the defense gives him. Because I think if Cam rising runs within the context of the offense and runs when things are all shut down and he's looked through his first and second and third reads and then he takes off, he can be really dangerous. The scary part about a running quarterback is, is, is if the first read isn't open and he takes off running, it can it can be very problematic to the offense. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us. Uh, the weather is supposed to turn Saturday. It's going to be rainy. It's going to be. Does any of that impact the Utah offense? Or with all the changes, do they just line up and hand the ball off? And Arizona's defense is bad, and they're going to run it down their throat if it's too nasty to throw the ball. So what? Yeah, I don't look. In high school, I think the weather affects the game a lot more than it does in college. Look, there's. There's six footballs that the quarterback picks out. They're all being dried. They're all, like, it's really not as difficult to play college football in a rain or a snowy type situation. If you're a quarterback, the thing that you hate the most is wind. I mean, if you if you watch the game, uh, you know, on Sunday, I can't remember which game I was watching. Oh, it was the, the Raiders. Yeah, and the Browns. Uh, and the Browns. I mean, it was wind that was affecting that game. It wasn't the sleet. It wasn't. The, it was the wind that was playing games with everything. And so that that's what takes away from you as a quarterback. I don't see it being a big deal. I think a, a defensive-minded coach like Kyle will be like, okay, it's snowing outside or it's raining outside. Let's make sure we pound the rock. But he just likes to say that. I mean, it's his ship. It's his personality. And, and, and he gets to say that as the head coach. I think that's always – um, going to be his default setting. But I don't think that it's going to be that hard for them to throw the ball as long as the winds aren't around 50 miles an hour. I think everything's going to be just fine. What can the Aggies do to get some kind of offense going? Oh, boy. it's um, It's been an interesting two weeks. Now, I will say this. They played the two best teams in the Mountain West Conference. Um, there's 
there's some things going on up, up there as far as, you know, effort goes and, and those sorts of things that I think Gary's trying to, um, he's trying to address. But they need to get some sort of a break or they need to find somebody that can make a big play. I thought just before the half last game when, when Shelley broke out and, and kind of rolled to his right a little bit and made a really nice throw down the sideline in the end zone, I was like, okay, maybe this will build some momentum for them to get the offense going, but they're just not really able to do much of anything right now. Jalen Warren's hurt again. The offensive line isn't open up gaping holes, and I think they just need to clean everything up, and they need to realize, hey, you know, COVID or not, this is this is this is a season, and and you got to put your name on your work. I mean, whether you're an artist, you know, whether you're signing that marriage contract, or whether you're signing your housing contract, or what, uh, you know, signing for a new car. Like, you got to put your name on it. You got to you got to be accountable to the fact that the job that you're doing is good enough. And I think that's probably what Gary's working on. I don't think I'm saying anything that Gary wouldn't say. But these guys got to. These guys got to. You can't feel sorry for yourself in college football, and it's hard to win college games if you're not paying attention to details. So I think that the Aggies have played the two best teams in the Mountain West Conference, and obviously neither game went well. But I think there's a pretty strong case to be made that Nevada is not only top half of the league, they could easily be one of the top three teams in the league. Are you buying that? Yeah. Because if so, that that means we could be another lopsided game here at Thursday night. It it could be. Look, Utah State has some things to fix. I think Nevada is playing very well. When I looked at the schedule – you know, the schedules came out fairly close together for the University of Utah and Utah State. I was like, geez, Utah State got pounded on this schedule. And when I looked at University of Utah, I was like, man, that opens up nice for them. And that's that was just my gut feeling, um, you know, a few weeks ago when this was all posted. But I, I feel like it's measuring out that way. Um, but Utah State's got to turn it around. You, uh, COVID or not, you don't want to have a two-win you know, two and five season. You don't want to have a losing season, so you got to start playing. You got to start figuring out. Okay, we got we got to compete, and we got to figure out how to leave our mark somewhere in this league and point out to people that hey, next year when we have all these players back and when, that we're going to be ready to go. It's definitely been a slow start. It has not been a confident start for the Aggies. But I, I certainly think that there's room for improvement and, and an ability to play a lot better than what they're playing. It's not just because the players aren't good. The players aren't playing up to their potential yet. So you don't necessarily think it's a long-term problem with the program? I don't. I don't at this point. I don't think it's a long-term problem. I think this is just getting your mindset right. And look, Everybody has the excuse of COVID if they want it. And right now, Boise State's undefeated, San Diego State's undefeated, and Utah State has two losses. They were all facing some of the same problems. And so you, you can't feel sorry for yourself. you gotta, you got to step up. you got to play. And you got to play with a, with a certain amount of pride. He's Riley Judson. He's our college football insider. Riley, three days in a row of football. Now, you're, you're trying to raise young kids here. Can you just sit down and lock in on these games? Or are you going to have to pick and choose? <laughs> I, um, it depends on my wife's mood. <laughs> <laughs> if she looks at me cross-eyed, you know, 
what I try to do is say, hey, I'll take the one-year-old and I'll take the son, you know. Why don't you take Alexis and then I'll go and I'll try and watch the games. Um, but I record all of them and, and I sneak a lot of football in when she's not looking. Uh, and, and I feel confident saying that because I know for a fact she's not listening to the show. <laughs> but I will watch quite a bit of it, especially – especially because you got the first game for the University of Utah, you got the big game for Boise State, and then I'm just really interested to see how Utah State responds this week. Well, Riley, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes, and we will talk to you again next week. You guys are the best, man. Thanks for having me on.